0: You're listening to audio from New City Church in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. We are a gospel-centered church with a heart for the next generation, passionate about making disciples who will renew our city in the real Jesus. For more information about New City, please visit our website at www.mynewcity.church.
1: Good morning. My name is Adassa. And I'm going to read scripture this morning. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 52. Please stand out of respect for God's word. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is older. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
0: Thanks be to God. Pray over the reading of God's word before we get started. Father God, I just want to echo what the psalmist said. Um, We have hidden your word in our hearts so that we may not sin against you. Open our eyes so that we may see the wonderful things in your law. We are strangers on this earth. Do not hide your commands from us. Our souls are consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Your statutes are our delights. They are our counselors. Holy Spirit, help us rest in you today, and as we do, give us wisdom. We welcome your presence and revelation in our lives. Holy God, please converse with me and allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my hearts to be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I fell in love with coffee in college right? Crazy, right? Um, And I got lots of gear. Um, Things like this AeroPress, which you just stick on top of the cup, and then you press down, and you make your own little shot of espresso. It's awesome. Love it. This is just one of the many things that I've purchased. Probably spent too much money on this tiny little treasure. Um, And what's crazy is that as my love for coffee grew, and I began to appreciate it more and understand more about it, I couldn't help but share it with other people. Um, My father is a chemist, so naturally, as we started getting really, really nerdy about coffee, um, he was able to understand some of what was going on in ways that other people didn't. So last year for Christmas, um, the smell of coffee filled the house because I had bought my dad an AeroPress and we started doing cuppings and experimenting and playing with how tweaking just a couple different variables would change the flavor of a cup of coffee. You see, my understanding led to many actions. Um, The first time I sought out coffee, I didn't quite appreciate it yet, but the more and more I came to enjoy it, the more I learned, the more money I would spend on gear, I just naturally shared that joy with others. And now the same thing is happening to my father. Um, I hear the praises of my mom over my dad about how she enjoyed the cup of coffee that he made for her before they went off to church on Sunday morning. We all long to find treasure, and when we find it, we can't help but share it, whether it's coffee or TV or a book or the latest phone. But it's not just trivial trinkets and things. We celebrate relationships Right, that's why we have wedding parties. We celebrate accomplishments at work. Um, for some of you, next week you're going to be celebrating graduation, right? But there is a greater treasure. We don't always see it, right? But we often can understand why we'd sacrifice. Right, a runner, for example, he sacrifices a lot because he knows that the time, the training, the sacrifices he makes are worthwhile our understanding of how valuable a treasure is corresponds to the degree of action we take. And if our understanding leads to action, then the greater the treasure should lead to the greater the action. And therefore, it should follow that kingdom understanding leads to kingdom action. So why doesn't it? What about when we don't want to or can't seem to be bothered to or just can't seem to get it together and treasure God's kingdom like we know we should? Maybe we should listen to Jesus's question again. He asked his disciples if they understood after giving them these four micro parables as a type of comprehension check. He was a rabbi, a teacher, and he was asking his students to humble themselves enough to to really check. Am I connecting the dots? Are they connecting and understanding what it means for the kingdom of God to be a great treasure? Jesus was a good teacher. He's repeating himself um, not to chastise, but to help his listeners. He loves us. He wants his disciples to understand that delighting in the kingdom, knowing him personally, it is the greatest treasure. And that if that's true, we should do something about it. Friends, God shared his greatest treasure with us and he wants us to join him in sharing that treasure with others. And I have a special privilege to tell you that duty, that, that ability, it's not just for your pastors who come up here and preach every Sunday. It's for each and every one of you, yeah. no matter who you are and where you are. So at the end of Jesus' teaching, he asks the disciples because he wants them to value what he values and to actively and eagerly await God's judgment by sharing the gospel, the greatest treasure with others. Or to say it another way, kingdom understanding, friends, leads to kingdom action. So disciples of the kingdom, then, are, they're gonna understand what treasure is most valuable. They're gonna understand that judgment is coming, and they're gonna know what to do with their greatest treasure. So let's circle back. Do you understand what treasure is most valuable? These two similar parables illustrate the same point. The kingdom of God It's treasure. And that's not me just telling you that because I think it. Jesus said it. Look back at the text. The parable of the net and the parable of the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had to buy it. Imagine you're a uh, broke college student. I know some of you may not have to imagine too much. Um, Let's say you've just graduated and you've got a very strict budget for a new car as you're getting ready to move and start your new life. You've got $2,000, but while you're car shopping, somehow the crown jewels of England appear in the glove box of a car that's $4,000. You would run home and you would sell literally everything you own to come back and buy that car as quickly as possible because you know what treasure is hidden there. (laughs) And the truth is that a greater treasure, more valuable than jewels, the kingdom of God, it has come near. Jesus said so. That's why he started his ministry saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. A cup of coffee, a great painting, A beautiful sunset, the laugh of a child, friendship. These are all beautiful things, but they pale in comparison to the treasure of knowing Jesus. Look at how beautiful our Savior is. He is the Creator God of the universe made flesh. He is the faithful friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is a loving teacher. He understands every hurt that you've experienced and hang up that you are stumbling across, and He loves you regardless. His heart is gentle and lowly. His compassion knows no bounds. It's why he left the 99 for that one sheep. Notice that the finders in these parables are different, much like us. A simple man stumbles upon the treasure, and he's contrasted with this professional treasure hunter. Man, doesn't that remind you of the disciples? They're such a mixed bag. Some were fishermen and tax collectors. They weren't really looking for Jesus. They were just trying to get through life and they found him. But some of them, right, they were professional students. They were following other rabbis. And when they found Jesus, they started following him. Friends, we are no different. Yes, we're all unique and we're all, at the same time, very similar. We're all human. We're all looking for truth, we're all looking for treasure. You don't have to be a philosophy major to understand that we're all looking to understand where did, where did we all come from? Um, what is the meaning of life? Is there a destiny? Is, is life meaningful? Is there morality? The good news is that anyone from the disciples in 30 AD to right now that comes to understand the kingdom of God as treasure, they're gonna have their old value system replaced with a greater treasure in their hearts. Understanding that kingdom treasure should lead to that whole new value system. But as I alluded to earlier, sometimes it doesn't. Remember a couple weeks ago when we dove into the parable of the four soils? Sin corrupts and blinds us. It threatens to choke out our vision. It takes away our understanding. Friends, that's why Jesus taught. That's why he repeated himself. Because he knows that it takes time to gain the acquired taste for the kingdom, like a good cup of coffee, tea, or jazz. The kingdom of God is a treasure, no matter who you are or where you are or where you come from. And that's good because it means that you don't have to buy your way into it. You simply respond when you find it. We need Jesus, though, to do more than just teach us intellectually how to understand it. Because of our sinful, broken hearts, we need him to fix what's broken inside of us, so that we can value his kingdom. That's why we are compelled as Christians to identify the false realities and lies that we are believing and replace them with the truth of the gospel. And friends, we cannot do that in and of ourselves. We need Jesus because the transformation that's required for his kingdom only comes through the renewal of our minds that comes from his spirit dwelling inside each and every one of you. So Jesus asked his disciples, do you understand? Do you really treasure the kingdom or have you lost your obsession with it? Are the cares and anxieties threatening to choke you out this morning? Are doubts sidelining you? Do the anxieties of life, what you're gonna eat or drink or wear, make you doubt God's plan? Are the treasures of this age, accomplishments at work, the security of a good paycheck, threatening to take your life? treasure and squander it. Is your feel of failing or offending your friends with your zeal for the gospel keeping you from speaking the truth out in love? I would encourage you, repent. We have to deepen our understanding and return to our first love. How foolish would the guy who found the treasure be if he just left it there? Can you imagine Indiana Jones going through all those booby traps and then just walks up and leaves? We would scream. We'd be so mad. Like, how foolish would that be? Friends, that's us. John Ortberg explains the principle well when he said that to be filled with knowledge about the Bible, but to be unwashed by it, is worse than not knowing it at all. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Maybe you think that me talking about treasure is a waste of time because you came here for a a good pep talk, um, some some encouragement. Um, Well, welcome to church. Um, (laughs) I'm not here to encourage you. I'm here to give you the truth. Maybe you think there is no treasure. Maybe you're unsure if the kingdom of God really is a treasure because, I mean, what is truth? It's all relative, right? Are you clinging to your doubt? instead of trusting in faith, because you know that if you let go of your own intellectual ability to understand that all that's left is faith in Jesus? Friend, when you lay down your life, you will find your true self. When you believe and relent and let Jesus love you, when you are still and know, that is when Jesus is able to give you his spirit Jesus loved us so much that he gave everything. And friends, we would be fools to not follow in his example. So do you understand that judgment is coming? Look back at the parable of the net. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea. It gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore. They sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You might be thinking, Josh, you, you're, uh, you're repeating what Nick said two weeks ago. Um, you're observant, there's definitely some themes that overlap in this parable and the one that Nick preached about in the, we- in the weeds. That's intentional. Jesus is repeating himself for a reason. We live in this messy, broken world. The problem of evil has to be dealt with. And friends, God is the good judge who will set things right. So disciples must wait patiently. But I want us to focus on what's unique in this parable because I think Jesus has some really important things to teach us. The kingdom of heaven is like a net. It's like a dragnet that you can see here. It would be thrown out, and then fishermen would pull it in. It would catch everything. Much like how Jaws would eat everything in his path, that net, it's going to catch a lot of stuff. And friends, what that means for you and me is that the kingdom is indiscriminately available to anyone and everyone. The net of God wants to gather as many fish as it can. What kind of God would so generously and graciously pursue and then wait to judge. Only a God like the one revealed to Moses in Exodus 34, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Friends, this is the faithful father that hymnist Thomas Opadiah Chisholm wrote about when he said, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Notice that this teaching was given directly to the disciples. Jesus had pulled away from the crowds and was talking to his core group And some of these people were fishermen. They knew that fishing in this way would bring in a very diverse catch. And like all of us, they were longing for the judgment that Jesus just talked about in the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And now Jesus is confronting them with the gracious, amazing compassion that the kingdom embodies. Much like how leaven never loses its potency or treasure can never depreciate in value, The immense value of the kingdom is so grand that everyone can get in on a share. Part of the reason the kingdom is so valuable, brothers and sisters, is because it's so diverse. Jesus wants his disciples to understand that this generous nature is designed and works best to be shared. No one takes a light and hides it under a bushel, right? That's why the net is cast so wide, because judgment is coming, And friends, God is a good judge. The angels are going to come and separate the righteous from the unrighteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. Friends, the invitation to the kingdom of God, it is open to you right now. The net is wide, but it requires a timely response. The coming judgment of God, it is exactly why Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus was teaching his disciples to be fishers of men like him. So Jesus asked, do you understand that God is judge? He's repeating this point because he wants the coming judgment to motivate disciples into compassionate action. He's humbling us to love. This really struck me hard and this is a hard thing for me to preach, but we have some pride to repent of. Me, first and foremost. The pride of judging others, deciding who around me is a good or a bad fish. When we do this, we are living out the lie that God, if he's even real, he's a terrible judge, so it's up to me to decide how to achieve justice. This leads to seeing people as a means to an end or an obstacle that I need to ram my way over and they're deserving of my judgment. Leads me to lean on my own understanding instead of God. It breeds contempt, bitterness and resentment and a contrarian I'll show you mindset. Comparison that leads me to judge others as inferior or superior leaves me bitter. Or maybe we need to um, repent of the pride of judging ourselves right that comparison are you constantly trying to measure up to your own impossible standards to live to impress and prove yourself to you and everyone around you like me do you fear rejection after years of bullying and sin struggles so deeply that you've become a hypervigilant perfectionist in a vain attempt to protect yourself Do you believe the lie that we can do enough to achieve a high enough level of excellence that we won't ever let anyone down? And then inevitably when you fail like me, which if you're anything like me is a lot, um, (laughs) you end up hating yourself anymore as a twisted coping mechanism because if I hate myself, no one else can hate me, right? I've already done that. It's control, it's pride. Both of these ways are us trying to be God. Friends, I am just as guilty of it as each and every one of us. That's why Jesus is teaching this parable. Henry Nowen explains that your self-rejection is your greatest enemy to your spiritual life, because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls you the beloved. I want to say that again. The self-rejection, this comparison, it is your greatest enemy to your spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls you the beloved. Christian, you are beloved. Receive that this morning. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, man, I've got some good news. He loves to take sinners and transform them into the beloved. We need to repent, be humble before our good judge who are we to say is deserving of God's grace? Humility, friends, it's the antidote to the hunger that we have for man's approval because it shows us that our meaning, it doesn't come from anything that we can do. It comes from being a recipient of God's love. Only when we are humble can we actually fulfill the greatest commandment to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Under this standing, the judgment of God humbles us deeply. It makes us question, are we valuing what God does? Are we making excuses for not following him? Are we good soil? Friends, if you're in a right standing with God, you can look forward to this coming judgment in hope because you know that it will be the day of salvation for the beloved. The salvation of God brings us into the family of the church where God desires for us to live in harmony. This is one of the things I admire most about the church. I look out and I see such a diverse crowd. College students, parents, people from all walks of life, people from different countries, people from different towns, united in Jesus. The judgment of God then should propel us to share the treasure, the kingdom of God, this family with others, They're not yet adopted in, and God wants to call them the beloved. If we let God judge, then we are free to love because we know that when vengeance is God's, he will judge well. Practically speaking, this lived out looks like just being a faithful friend. I want to tell you a quick story. A few years ago, I was wrestling with ever coming up here I was running from God, I had graduated and uh, my life was falling apart around me, COVID struck. I was in a job that I hated. I got everything I ever thought I wanted. I thought I was gonna marry a girl and I um, had to break up, which was not fun, move back in with my parents, which was not fun, and then um, work from home, which you'd think for an introvert was great, but I go stir crazy, so like, I was losing my mind. And that guy running sound back there, in the midst of trying to plant a church, would drive down every weekend to just be my friend. He embodied the comfort of Jesus to me. And that is what Jesus did for each and every one of us, and it's what he's calling us to share. So do you understand what to do with your greatest treasure? Jesus asked, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to him, therefore, every scribe who is trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and old. I want you to see Jesus' vision casting here. He's showing how the kingdom of God that's rooted in all these Old Testament promises, it's revealing something scandalous to these Jewish disciples. They were expecting the kingdom of God to come in and overthrow the Roman government. But it, it wasn't that. And it's not a self-help tool either. It's far greater because it replaces your whole life. This isn't an intellectual understanding. Jesus is asking the disciples, do you understand that the way the kingdom of God is fulfilling all these Old Testament prophecies is through a personal relationship with the God who made you? Jesus wants his disciples to ask, what does that mean? What does this truth mean for me? What am I supposed to do in light of it? And what, what will I do with it? How will I live differently because of it? N.T. Wright commenting on this passage says, we need understanding and action. Understanding without action is sterile, but action without understanding is exhausting and useless. We need both as citizens of the kingdom. Friends, how many stories show us this truth? Star Wars. Yes, Star Wars, right? Luke learns that Darth Vader is his father and he does everything he can to seek reconciliation. Maybe Star Wars isn't your cup of tea. Mr. Darcy uncovers the truth and he does everything he can to cover the shame of the Bennett sisters. And friends, that is what Jesus does for us. He covers our shame. He reconciles us. These stories... They point to the greater truth. They're just shadows of the greatest rescue story in which God saw our helpless estate and rescued us. Jesus wants every scribe trained in the kingdom, a disciple in 30 AD and in 2023, to take out of your storehouse treasures new and old and share them. He wants you to share your treasure. So praise God for sending Jesus. Because left alone, we are not like him. We do not value what he values. We do not love like he does. We don't practice justice anywhere near the way he does. We love the darkness. Our disordered desires lead us down the wide path of self-destruction. We can't even understand what he's saying or follow his commands without his Holy Spirit residing in us. So praise God for his word. Before Jesus ever came, long before. It was written in Psalm 111, 9. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Friends, Dane Ortland, commenting on this verse said that scripture is not an advice column at the back of a newspaper. It is the front page declaring the good news of what God has done. Even in the Old Testament, he's talking about how redemption was sent for his people. He did far more than the psalmist of 111 ever could have dreamed. The good news of the gospel is that God sent redemption in a tangible way through his son. God made the world good. He was king. But we foolishly choose to become our own kings. And in doing so, we break the good world that God made. But God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And after restoring his rule, he calls us to help him share the good news. God shared his greatest delight, his son, so that we could delight in him forever. Friends, Jesus promised that every disciple would bring treasures out, old and new. And I wanna show you how true that is. It started with Peter, Go back and look at Acts 2, 14 to 41 when you get home today. It's one of the best sermons ever preached. In Peter's first sermon, he used ancient Hebrew scripture, which I love, Um, it's awesome, it's great, to explain the miracle that was happening at Pentecost. If you're not familiar, Pentecost was where after Jesus had died, the disciples were gathered in a house terrified. And as the Holy Spirit descended upon them, they started preaching in tongues, speaking, and everyone around them from all over the world, even though they spoke different languages, understood. People thought that the disciples were drunk. They tried to say, ah, there's nothing crazy going on here, and Peter stands up and says, hold on, let me explain to you what's going on. And he pulls out of the Old Testament so many different passages to explain. One of those scriptures he quoted said this, then after doing all of those things I will pour out my spirit upon all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions This giving of the holy spirit that was prophesied to take place at the forgiveness of sins by Joel this old prophet it was repeated by Jesus both before and after his death and after the forgiveness of sins on the cross Anyone and everyone who accepts Jesus as their savior, who repents and turns to him for deliverance from the coming judgment, trusting that Jesus' payment on the cross will cover your debt, will receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus asked, do you understand? He's giving us this morning a comprehension check to see if we're connecting the dots. Do you trust God to pay your sin debt Do you see Jesus as your greatest treasure? If you don't, I want to urge you this morning, be reconciled to God. Has anyone told you yet that God wants to be your friend? He loves you. Do you want to know him back? The ball is in your court this morning, friends. When you understand that, man, when you see how beautiful Jesus is, you can't help but chase after him you will become like Peter. He was this uneducated fisherman, right? But because he was friends with Jesus, because he was with Jesus, he couldn't help but live life to the full, helping bring the kingdom on heaven, sorry, bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And guys, this doesn't mean you're gonna preach like Peter. Not everyone is like that. God has a unique role for each and every one of us. But when the Holy Spirit resides in you, when you become the beloved, your life changes. You're gonna show up to the gym, to class, your favorite coffee shop, your dorm, your living room, seeing who God is putting your path to love. Your heart will be softened to become compassionate enough to invite your coworker over for dinner. You'll be humble enough to ask that classmate for help because you know that getting to know them is worthwhile and you want to share your treasure. Friends, you will be able to obey Jesus' greatest command, the great commission that these parables foreshadowed. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, this looks first like being with Jesus, and this won't happen by accident. If you're a disciple, you have agency to choose. What treasure will you value most this morning? If you wanna be free, I would exhort you, use the tools that God has given you. Resolve to spend time in scripture, prayer, fasting, Sabbath. These spiritual disciplines, they're not here to hinder you. They are here to help you run the race with endurance. In my own life, I've fallen in love with Old Testament books like Leviticus as I've meditated on them. Just ask people. I've nerded out a bit too much over it. (laughs) And guys, here's the thing. I don't have it together. I am still learning. Through prayer and fasting, God is helping me overcome a struggle of an eating disorder and control. Friends, the closer we get to Jesus the more like him we become. But I wanna warn you that the inverse is true. The less you seek this treasure, the less valuable it will appear. Draw near this morning. Every Christian has been called to the Great Commission. Ray Comfort, awesome evangelist, echoes what Paul said when he explained that whole life ministry, it's like running a race. You wake up early to train. You go through sweat and pain. You diet, you sacrifice time. Winning the race is hard work. Evangelism and the Great Commission are no different. But friends, that's good news because no matter how introverted or extroverted, old or young, smart or uneducated, you may think that you are, man, you can come alongside your faithful teacher, your savior, Jesus, and the family of God on mission to run the race. Friends, I'm not calling you to try hard this morning. I'm calling you to train hard with Jesus and with your family. Walking with God will not be a walk on the beach. More often than not, it's going to look like plowing a field. It's going to look like what Jesus talked about taking on the yoke that's light and the easy burden with him, walking alongside him, living life on purpose with Jesus who promised to carry us. So I want us to pray for eyes to see where is God calling us out of our comfort zones to reach the lost this morning? Father God, we thank you for your word. Give us eyes to see your treasure as the most valuable thing, to see relationship with you as worth everything, and God, to share that with others. Give us eyes to see where you are moving and boldness to lean into it. Lead us into love to those around us. Amen. Friends, I don't want us to just hear the word. I want us to be about it. And you might uh, have gained a little bit of understanding this morning. Praise God for the spirit at work in your hearts. But I hope you've come to learn that discipleship, it's not rocket science. We don't need a 12-step discipleship program or a fancy campus RSO. God has given us everything that we need. Jesus showed us how to put our understanding in action. The Gospels are in part a biography of how to live out the call. Through life together, love expressed through a cup of coffee, a walk in the park, or a meal shared around the dining room table. And you might think, sure, that worked for Jesus. He was God. Of course it worked for him, right? Does discipleship still work today? Yes. Yes, it does. I wanna brag on Jesus a little bit. I grew up in church, but I took for granted so many of the truths that people in church um, never have to wrestle with. And my history's messy. I was bullied, and as a way to deal with the rejection of others, I used lustful energy, internet images, and food as a coping mechanism. And this led me down this path of self-hatred and hatred of God so that by the time I went to college two hours away from home, I was ready to walk away. But God, the hero of the story, he sent me there and he put in my path a a man named Andrew. And after encountering Jesus, I came to Andrew for help. He let me crash on his couch as I overcame my sin struggles. I shared meals around his dining room table and saw him raise a family and learned what it meant to live life pursuing God. At New City Church, we want to help you do likewise. It's not always going to look like that. So I want to give you time to reflect. Ask God for eyes to see where is he calling you to get out of your comfort zone this morning? Where is he asking you to boldly follow in obedience? Is there a greater need for understanding? Do you need to finally come let Jesus be your friend this morning? Remember the treasure of Jesus. In a moment, we're going to do that very thing. The night before Jesus gave his life on the cross, he gave a meal that symbolized how much he would give away for his beloved. And friends, I want you to be encouraged that when Jesus returns to bring heaven down to earth, we are going to live a life worth living forever. We're gonna worship God in all that we do. So I wanna encourage you to sing and love Jesus. Sing as a dress rehearsal until he comes back. New City family, I love you. Respond when you're ready.